Taos and to those listening and joining with us on our podcast, we welcome you also into our family and uh, I believe that together something good is going to happen to you today. That's what I've been praying. Something good is going to happen to you today as there is uh, power in the spoken word, as life and death are in the power of the tongue, the kingdom of heaven is therefore voice activated. Amen? So you can activate the Spirit of God here in this morning. So I'd like if you would turn to the person next to you and even to say to yourself as you may be driving along or walking along, declare and speak it into being. Turn to the person next to you and say, something good is going to happen to you today. Amen? Brother or sister, I speak in Jesus' name. Something good's going to happen to you today, Greg. Something really good. Something good is going to happen to you people online. Something real good. So when you speak it, you speak it into being. Faith calls those things that aren't as though they are, amen? That's how faith operates. So release the mighty word of God today. And you can speak things into your being. You can speak it over your brothers and sisters, amen? You can speak prosperity over their lives. So, but as an introduction to the message this morning, I'd like to ask you a few questions. And I'd like you to be brutally honest with yourself. Not with me, but to yourself. And so, have you been in the hallway of life, and it's not that there are not doors open and to explore, the issue could be that there are so many doors, you're not, not sure which one to open, who's ever been in that situation, you've been in the hallway and there's lots and lots of doors, and you're not sure which one to press upon, and uh, have you, or have you ever been in the wilderness, there'd be nobody here ever in, been in the wilderness, we're just talking about the people in the Old Testament when they were in the desert. Worse still, have you been between a rock and a hard place? Moses knew what that was like. Was like. Perhaps there's relationship issues, financial, health or business issues. Welcome to life, amen? That's life. And, um, but you are, perhaps there's somebody here, you're leaving school at the end of the year. And the, the question comes to mind, will I get an apprenticeship? Will I go to uni? Will I encourage mum and dad to get a second job so that I can have a gap year? What about that? What a great idea. All these options and ultimately decisions have to be made. It's true, isn't it? Whose parents here would like a gap year? You can send your kids off to work. What a great idea. I'm onto something here. But others here are thinking about business prospects. There are. There are people here who are thinking about new things in business and adventures. And And it is an adventure to kick off a business or do something new. Will I start an adult education course, upgrade my skills, explore something, for I sense that God has something better for me and my family. Who's ever sensed that, that God has something a bit better and beyond than what I am currently living? And I could say amen to that. God is always, there's something birthed within us. It's a vision that is implanted in us from birth. Amen? It's like the the people in, in Holland, they're born by the sea. They've got seawater in their blood. And they like to get out on boats. I'm not like that myself. But a lot of people are like that. They've got fishing in their blood. But there's a vision that God has planted in your life. And you know that you are born for more, so to speak. Born for more. So what to do? Some issues will require an almost an immediate response from us. While others are just given time. And sometimes we just put them on the back burner. Amen? Sometimes we put them on the back burner for months. Years. And even decades. But still deep within us is an unfulfilled desire to accomplish something. And you know it can be in God. I'd like for us to go to Exodus chapter 14. 
And uh, as I said, Moses knew what it was like to have to make decisions under pressure. And here he was, and uh, they just crossed the Red Sea. And uh, here we have Moses and about two and a half, three million people is fairly conservative to think. And here he is, he's got, a, uh, he's got a, a, a wall of rock on one side onto the left, a wall of rock on the right, and then in front of him he's got the Red Sea, and then behind him he's got the most powerful ancient army in the earth coming up behind him. Who would like that feeling? Who knows that you've got to make a decision? And then the procrastination is, is not going to work for you because it's, otherwise it's annihilation. Procrastination can mean annihilation in this instance. And so uh, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which will he, he will accomplish for you today. Amen? It's good when God is on your side. Amen? For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. What a great thing when your uh, opponents... And uh, if God be for me, then who could be against me? But the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Here, the, here we've got a mountain on the left, mountain on the right, Red Sea in the front, and the, and the Egyptian army coming up behind you. He said, but lift up your rod and stretch it out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So he said, List, lift up that rod that is in your hand. The title of my message today is One Word from God. I know that's a handful of words out there, lift up your rod, but it's one word, isn't it? And that's what I want to tell you today, that is, you only need one word from God to cross your Red Sea. To cross something that is deemed to be impossible, you only need one word from God. To get that cattle property, you need one word from God. Proceed. Stretch out with that which is in your hand and begin to march forward. Amen? Amen? So at other times, the pressure on us and you are compelled to make a decision. The children of Israel, they're at the edge of the water, waters of the Red Sea, mountains on either side. So, and then in addition to that, he had Dathan, the negative influence of people who were supposedly on your side. Amen? It's ridiculous, the opposition that you get from those who are close by, from those sitting in the seats, and the negative influence of people who are supposed to be on your side. There seems to be no shortage of, of hecklers and accusers within or even amongst your own brethren, and so it was here with Moses' day. There was no shortage of hecklers, no shortage. But God said to him just the same, lift up your rod. There was a time Clark Taylor, who knows Pastor Clark Taylor? He was the founder of Christian Outreach Center in 1974. He went over to America for many, many years and returned to ministry here in Australia. He was no longer with Christian Outreach Center, and, uh, but he came across a property at Carondale near south of Brisbane there. And uh, there was a property there which he felt could be for him to set up a new church. He felt a word from God to begin again. Who knows when you've lost everything, it takes a lot of courage at 60 years old and about 20% heart rate working for you to go and begin again. And yet he got a word from God and he saw this building. It was 725000 worth of quite a few million dollars, but he was able to negotiate $725,000 for a building. He had $2,000 available to him on a credit card. And he heard a word from God. Five words, in fact. He says, I will be with you. That's all he heard from God. I will be with you. 
One word from God. He put a $2,000 deposit from his credit card, purchased the building, no congregation, nothing, not a thing, not a cracker. Amazing, isn't it? But one word from God. He believed for 300 people to come to his first service, and there was 325 people who came to his first service. Went into the hock, and then within a few years, they paid the whole thing out. Amazing, isn't it? All you need is one word from God. If God be for you, then who could be against you? Amen? But the reverse is also true. If God be against you, then who could be for you? Amen? If you oppose the works of God, you could find the wrath of God on yourself. Amen? And so we don't want that here. But one word from God will get you out of the paralysis of analysis. Everybody likes to have, well, I want to exercise wisdom here. I'll get the board of my management on side and we're going to discuss our options. And a lot of days, a lot of people, tremendous intellect, fantastic. I love to have people of intellect around me. I mean, I like to staff my weakness, amen? And so it's good. But in addition to all the study, all the analysis and everything like that, we know governments make analysis of building a dam. And they may like, those analysis or those studies... Uh, might last for 50 years before they even consider start building a dam. And they would have what I would call paralysis of analysis. But you and I sitting at home can have paralysis of analysis, can't we? We can say, I need a garage. My car's sitting out in the rain. My kids' toys are out there. I need a shed. And, and for year after year after year, we contemplate on building the shed. We look at the cost. We look at the manpower. We look at this and we look at that. And we talk ourselves out of doing it. I mean, who can identify with me? Not a person here, I know. Not a person here. But uh, perhaps you become like, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, but Arnold Schwarzenegger, the procrastinator. He says, I'll kill you tomorrow. Amen? I'll kill you tomorrow. Who's ever thought of that? I'll do it tomorrow. We know that tomorrow never comes. Amen? Tomorrow, if you're not going to do it today, forget it. You're not going to do it. Nobody else would be able to identify me with that on either, I know. It's been said in the business world, even a bad decision is better than no decision at all. Amen? Even a bad decision is actually a good decision because you've, got, you've still got action and you've still got momentum. When there is no momentum, it takes a lot of energy. There's an engineer in the house and he'll tell us today that to get something moving along takes a lot of effort. But once it's up and running... Those old steam locomotives uh, back in the Americas, when they took the biggest steam engines over there on those railways, they could shut off the power of the coal and the momentum could take a giant steam engine for about 100 miles without additional power. Those mighty, mighty steam engines. Amazing, isn't it? That's called momentum. And that's why uh, a decision is better than no decision at all. But often we as the church or as believers, we can be stuck in this paralysis of analysis or procrastination or just hold back and let's employ wisdom, let's get other counsel and this and that. Let's get more facts and figures. So many times, men, our wives will say something that is straight from the throne room of heaven. Mow the lawn. <laughs> what a great word from heaven. We're called to be good stewards. Who knows that it could be God, amen? Many times I've heard Jules say something and I know it's straight from the throne room of heaven. I preached a message, um, I think it was last week, and it was called Burn the Ships. And it was something that Jules said during the week. She says, oh, burn the ships, Jeff. 
And I knew that was God speaking. Who can get a witness to that? When you know the Spirit of God is upon that word. And I said, that wasn't Jules speaking. That was God speaking through Jules. Amen? Tremendous wisdom can come through normal conversations. But you have to have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Amen? Sometimes some very ordinary people around you at the workplace will say something and it will be God. Can God use somebody like Amazing. You talk about the... The, the captain on Jonah's ship, the ship was going down and, and, uh, and Jonah's asleep in the hull of the ship. And the captain comes down, he says, arise, O sleeper, pray to your God. Even the world wants the believer to pray to God, amen? Amen? God was speaking through that heathen captain, amen? And so, I've got to be careful now what I say, so it means that God can speak through your wives, amen? <laughs> God can speak through your husbands. And God can speak through school teachers. And God can speak through your children as well. Oh, yes. Yes, he can. And so, spiritual discernment is knowing the voice of God. Who would like to know the voice of God? I think we'd all have to put up our hands there, even though some are too shy, too timid to do so. But we all would like to know the voice of God. Amen? And you can know. How do I know that if it's the voice of God? We know there are, there are about three sources where voices can come from. And there's the voice of self. It's your own mind speaking to yourself. There's the voice of God. And there's the voice of Satan or the opposer or the accuser of the brethren. So how do you discern between those three voices? Oh, yes, we can know. Oh, yes, we can know for sure. And wouldn't we all like to know? I found when you're in good, good relationship with God, you can know exactly where that voice has come from. If you're not in a right relationship with God, it will be cloudy. Because if you're not walking in the basics of obedience to the Word of God, God will not show us further revelation. Amen? When we work on the revelation that we know, God will reveal to you other things. But if we don't walk in the basics of revelation, your future is clouded and discernment is clouded. But I'm... I'm assuming here that everybody here is in right relationship with God. And so here is a simple analogy that I have used. There are several things here that I have used to discern the voice of God. And sometimes I know I have missed it. But here is a simple one. If you tune into ABC on a radio, what are you going to hear? Apart from lies, what are you going to hear? You're going to listen and hear the ABC. If you tune your radio into SBS, what are you going to hear? You're going to hear SBS. If you tune into God, what are you going to hear? If you're in the place of prayer, if you're in the place of worship, if you're in the place where you've continued, you've repented of your sin, you've, and you keep right and short accounts with God, you're not walking in unforgiveness, and if you want to hear the voice of God, you read His Word, you ask for the Spirit of God to be upon it, you tune into God, what are you going to hear? You're going to hear God. But there's, um, and so, but here is a, here's another thing, a promise from God. Here is, and it says, my sheep know my voice. That is not an idle suggestion. And so we don't base anything on one scripture. We base it on a variety of scriptures throughout the whole of the Bible. We never take a scripture in isolation and draw conclusions from it. Amen? That's called cherry picking scriptures. Politicians may do that, but we do not. 
In John 10, 3 and 4, let's go there for a minute. And if you've got your Bibles, I pray that you brought them with you. I really encourage you to do it. This is a Bible-believing church, and, and you want to check if what I'm saying is the right thing. That's right, Victor, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So here we are. We're in John chapter 10. This is the Gospel of John and verse 3. And so it's written in red, so this is Jesus speaking. So to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Amen? The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Isn't that beautiful? He calls, yes, we're sheep. And uh, he calls us by name. He knows you by name. He, he has an intimate relationship with you. He knows. This is a shepherd who knows the state of his flock. There is no better shepherd than the person of Jesus Christ. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So there's two things there. One is you tune into God, and the other one is that Jesus knows your voice, and you know his. Let's go on to over the page, same chapter, John 10, 27. And it says... Uh, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that beautiful? My sheep hear my voice. And so you can trust Scripture, and you think, is that the voice of God? But if you're integral with God, God's integral with you, He is a promise here. There's about something like 31,000 promises in the Bible, which is hard to imagine because there's only about 31,102 verses in the whole Bible. So there's a heck of a lot of promises, exceedingly great and precious promises that by them or through them, we would become partakers of the divine nature of God. And so in addition to that, I have personally found that although a difficult decision has to be made, a right decision will have the seal of God's peace upon it. I'll say it again, I wrote it out this morning, in addition to uh, you knowing the voice of God and God knowing your voice, I have personally found that although a difficult decision has to be made, so you're up with a, something that's difficult, it's not comfortable either way, but somehow when you make that decision, you will note that the peace of God will be upon it. And if you have lost your peace with God over the decision, search as to why. And I have found that one of the greatest ways, if you have lost your peace, do a, do, a, uh, do a stock take on your life. And you think, what have I said? What have I done? What am I currently doing? What am I planning to do? And assess those things. And if you have lost your peace, there is a reason for it. And I'm talking about your peace with God. And you know what it's like. It feels like a coffee grinder going off inside of you. Who's, who's ever felt the coffee grinder experience? I have felt it. And so what we have done, I come back to a place of even repentance and say, Lord, I missed it. I made a wrong decision. I had good intentions, but I know that I messed up. And I have found when I redirect my steps, the peace of God will come back onto your life and you can proceed then knowing that that was the voice of God. And so you're not taking one of these things in isolation, but it is a group of things that we take. We take it. Does it line up with the Word of God with what I'm doing? Well, that's a big one, especially when we're doing our tax returns. 
Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, I'll move right along now. I'll change the subject real quick. And so, is there a biblical reference in losing your peace? And David did so. Remember that King David, and he realized that there was something going wrong in the land. I think, I can't remember exactly, like it might have been a drought in the land or something. And, and he sought the Lord for wisdom in what was wrong. He knew something was wrong. And the Lord said to him, you have, made, you have a broken promise. The people of Israel had broken uh, promises with the Gibeonites. And all of Israel was ill at ease and not at peace. In other words, they broke a covenant promise with protecting the Gibeonites and treated them as slaves. David made restitution, redirected the nation, and the peace and the blessing of God came back upon Israel again. Amen? So there is a direct scriptural reference there. And so I'd like to go to Elijah now and read 1 Kings chapter 18. And uh, encourage you to write these scriptures down so you can have a look for yourself. And, uh, sorry, it's actually chapter 17. And who knows Elijah? One of the great old prophets, wasn't he? And they call him the firebrand. And John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. And in these latter days, there will be a prophet on the earth and he will come and there will be a spirit of Elijah upon the church. And I've always said, as Jonathan Kahn said, if these are the days of Elijah, then you are the Elijahs of the day. In other words, you, Christians are going to have a season of toughening up. And we are being toughened up. And there's a resilience. When things come our way, Lord, oh, I can see, Lord, you're toughening me up. And I have found, and it's been a great attribute that God has given me, when things get really, really tough, I've got an ability to dig real deep. Dig real deep. You will find me on the prayer paddock at 12 o'clock at night when, I, when things are getting tough. You won't find me with a pillow over my head. You'll find me out on the prayer paddock. And I begin to pray. And faith is something like a, a righteousness, a righteous indignation rises up within me. Oh, and I get stirred. I get stirred. I get so stirred. And I've known what a thing or two about opposition over the years. Have I always got it right? No. But I resort to the place of prayer. I dig deep. Elijah was such a man. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And so here is Elijah the prophet. And when there is an unrighteous king in the land, God will always raise up an Elijah. And because there are unrighteous kings all over the earth right now, God is raising up the whole church in the spirit of Elijah to counteract what, God, what the world is doing, amen? And you, we're not going under, we're going over. Oh, can you say that to the person next to you? I'm not going under, I'm going over. Oh, the Lord is toughening me up. Oh, can you say that? Oh, I'm not going to take offense at anything. Oh, I'm looking for ways and means to be more than a conqueror, amen? That's the sort of person that, this is the end time church. We are not going under. God is bringing forth a glorious bride without spot nor wrinkle. Also turn to the person. You say, oh, looking good, babe. You are looking good. Or say that to the blokes. You're looking good, babe. Michael, you are looking good. He's awake. and That's good. He's good. But listen to this. I'm talking about one word from God this morning. That's all you need. One word from God. Who's getting excited for a situation in your life, you're going to need one word from God, and that's all you need, one word from God. 
And it says, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, oh, isn't that good? The word of the Lord. It doesn't say words. It says the word of the Lord. Amen. The word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. That is the power of the word of God. Amen. We are a Bible-believing church here. Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kerith, which flows into the Jordan. So Elijah is given a directing by God. He got the word of the Lord and God said to him, go to the brook called Kerith and it will be that you shall drink from the brook. I mean, there is, a, there is no rain in the earth, but here he's directing him into the wilderness to a remote brook called Kerith. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. I want to tell you today that the God, has got a, God has got a place where he will feed you there. And in the church, in the days and the years to come, God has got a place where he will feed you there. In the midst of drought, when the shopping shelves, when the shelves in the shopping center are totally empty or almost empty, God's got a place where he's going to feed you there. Amen? Amen. And he will even defy his own word in regard to this. He used an unclean bird to feed Elijah. Can you say, that, that, that doesn't go with kosher. That's not kosher. That's not kosher to have a raven feed me. But that's what God did. Don't box God in. Amen? Don't box God in. If God wants to use a woman to preach, he'll use a woman to preach. If God wants to use a dwarf to preach or a black person or a white person or this person or that person, it doesn't make any difference. God will use and his grace is sufficient for that person. Amen? It doesn't matter what. God is God. And we do not make God into an image that we think. Because then we're making an idol. Amen? And we always think, we think somehow that we dick, we come to God on a managerial basis only. Who comes to God that way? Or in an advisory capacity, I serve God. I think this, or I think that. I serve God on my terms, which is basically still serving the God of self, amen? And that's what we can do. God will be God, and he will do things exactly how he sees fit, amen? And so here we are. Here we are. Now, where am I? Here we are. First message, a word from the Lord. Go to the brook Kerith. I will feed you there. The Lord will use an unclean bird. And But what happens in verse 7 is the, drook, the brook, the brook dried up. But Elijah could have been at the book and he said, and he said, Lord, you told me to go to the brook Kerith, but now the brook has dried up. How can that be? God told me to come here. So what a lot of believers do, and I've done it in the past, I go to the brook Kerith, the brook dries up, and I just sit. And, and then I begin to dry up. Who's ever done that? You've heard a word from God. You've heard a word from God. Precise, you, got it. you even went to your pastor. You went to the local prophet. And you said, I've heard from the Lord. He says, yes, you have heard from God. Go to the brook Kerith. And a year later, the brook dries up. But Lord, you told me I was to be here. And the brook has dried up. How can that be? But see... There's another word from the Lord, amen? And just because we've heard from him once doesn't mean we can't and should not listen to him again. We are ever hearing for the voice of God for another direction, amen? The Lord says start a business and you've started a business and the business is flourishing. The, f the business is abounding and abounding and abounding and the, and the future looks amazing and then something happens in the world market and your business plummets. What happened, Lord? You he said, I told you to sell that business. 
But because that business gave you prosperity, and because that business, you got a spirit of mammon about you, a love of money, that, that, that business gave you prominence in the society. You became this and you became that. But I told you to sell that business prior to. Amazing, isn't it? God has got another word for us. And I see sometimes that I'm in the river of life. Who was in the river of life? There was a move of God in the early 90s. It was almost like a river of life. And there was such joy in the house and this and that. And, but people started coming then to the, to the house of God, not to worship God, but to see manifestations. Amen? And you can be caught up in manifestations. But what happened is the river turned and people were left swimming on a dry bank. You see, there was another word from the Lord to move with what God wants to do. And that's where you and I need to be. We need to position ourselves that we are continually, my sheep hear my voice, and I need to continually listen to the voice of God. It's not a once-off deal. Even though God gives you great success in that, wait for it, because that could be a catch-22 for us all. And then the word of the Lord said, and then the, God said to him, he said, go to Zerapath. Now Zerapath, and he says, I have commanded a widow to feed you there. He said, but, but Lord, he could have said, I, I will not be found in a heathen's house. He, uh, Zerapath is where modern day Lebanon is. That's where uh, uh, Ahab's wife, uh, 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 a priestess, uh, an, uh, an idol worshiper, that's where she came from. The Zidonians came from that area there. But God gave Elijah a word, and he says, and I will feed you there. Once again, there is, I will feed you there. The brook dried up, and God gave him another word, and he said, go to Zerapath, and I will feed you there. And God used now not a raven, an unclean bird, but an unclean human called a Zerapathian <laughs> to feed him. Oh, it's a good word, isn't it? I will feed you there. Elijah, then, then he wanted to bless that woman, and she became pregnant and had a son. And a few years later, the son dies. Remember that? The son dies. And, I mean, he got a word from God, and this girl was raised again to life. And uh, let's go to 1 Kings 17, 22. And, it's, and this is good because the voice of the Lord came to Elijah. And, but here it says, then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Now God is hearing Elijah's voice. Isn't this good? And I have found when you walk in obedience to God and you hear the voice of God, God will hear your voice. Who likes the sound of that? Yes. Amen? You hear the voice of God. And you have a decision. It says, Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So when you walk in obedience, you demonstrate your actual love for God. Not that you can raise your hands and worship and say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Here in the house, it's great to see. I love to see people worshiping. But your, your level of worship is actually determined by your level of obedience. Amen? Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Wonderful, wonderful. And here is the great blessing, I call it the bonus of hearing God's voice, is that God will hear your voice. Oh, doesn't that, doesn't that encourage you? You can't walk with the world and expect to be heard by God. Amen? It's almost like God will put his finger in his ear and say, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Remember those cartoons? The Emperor's New Groove. Who's ever seen that one? I'm not listening. I'm not listening. 
And I can sort of sense God. If you're not walking in accordance with God, or you just walk with him when you feel like it, I can just sense. But I think God is all ears. God is all ears when you are all ears for him. Amen? And that's, a, that's just a, a principle in God. Let's go to uh, Peter, Matthew, uh, sorry, Matthew 14, 29. And I'm rounding up in the next two hours, so relax. Matthew 14, 29. I had one word from God when I went to bed, and that was the title of my message, One Word from God, and I went to bed. I went out to pray last night, and then I went to bed. Got up early this morning, and I just trusted God for this word. That's all you need. That's all I had. One word from God before I went to bed last night, and then trust God that he would give me uh, a Rema living, active word for you this morning. Matthew 14, 29. I'll find it myself in a moment. 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 Matthew 14, 29. Here we go. Okay. Now, in the fourth watch of the night... Okay, well, I'll go back a little bit. It's called Jesus Walks on the Sea. But I like this story because it's not only Jesus who walks on the sea, it's Peter who walks on the sea. And so you can take out Peter's name and put your own in there because sometimes you and I have got to walk on the sea and it's called we walk by faith. And so immediately, this is verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray now, when evening came, he was there alone. And you'll notice that just about every reference in the evening, Jesus went out to pray. In the morning, he raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, cast out demons. But in the evening, he went out to pray. And there is a good uh, example to us. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Who knows, doing the will of God, Jesus put him into the boat. When you're in, in the middle of the boat, when you're in the course of life, Jesus, you've asked the Lord for direction. He puts you into the boat and the wind is contrary. You can be in, in the will of God and things can get rough. Amen? That is the reality of Christian living. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, that is between, say, 3 o'clock, 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. So it's a long day. Amen? Here they are, just before dawn. Who knows? You'd be feeling pretty weary. Generally, by, by this time, if anybody's here done shift work, you know between about 3 and 6 a.m., your temperature drops, you just feel sort of a sick sort of feeling, and here they are out in the middle of the Lake Galilee. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is not I, don't be afraid. And here we are in verse 28. And Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. The title of my message this morning is One Word from God. It's all you need. And so he said, this is Jesus speaking, he said, come. One word. That was it. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Great message, isn't it? He walked. One word from God. And he stepped out and did something that none of us have ever done before. And so one word from God can change your life. 
I say one word from God can change your finances. Who is here would like to be rectified in the realm of finances right now? Maybe you want to pay off a house, buy a house. Maybe you want to buy that property. Maybe you want to buy a second property. Maybe you want to begin to give to missions and to give to the work of the church. Maybe you want to pay for a Sunday school out here. Maybe you'd like to do that. Wouldn't that be a great thing? One word from God can change your finances, relationships, family, business. One word from God can, can change your health. Amen? An attitude in your mind can change your health. And it says, rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen? One word from God that's to your spirit, not to your head. If it's an intellectual thing, it will not do a thing. But if it goes from the realm of the intellect to the heart, oh, that's a different thing. Peter, and uh, so Peter was discerning the voice of Jesus. He said, if it is you, Lord, command me to walk out onto the water. He was discerning what this thing that looked like a ghost. He, of course he knew it would be the Lord. Who else would it be? But they, there was a, a demonic realm that they were dealing with also on the other side of the Gadarenes. But a response to the command to come is a transition from the natural world of the flesh and being governed by the five senses. Who knows that much of our life is governed by the five senses? But the command is to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, to not be governed by the five senses. And this is where, this is where we can come into trouble. And, but he was, he was brought out from the natural world to the supernatural world the moment that he stepped off the side of the boat, one foot in the world and the other one in the supernatural realm of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Who knows that being, having one foot in each camp is a precarious place to stand? It was a good thing he wasn't on a barbed wire fence. Amen? <laughs> sorry. So, sorry. But the moment Peter stepped over the edge of the boat, he moved from being a man of the flesh. We, you and I can be people of the flesh. And he became a man of the Spirit. We were beginning to see Peter the Apostle, Peter the Pastor, Peter the Preacher, Peter the man who travelled all over the place and uh, no longer constrained by what he could see, amen, and now operated by what he believed. You and I can operate by what we see with our natural eyes or we can operate by what we believe. Who would like to operate by what we believe? I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe that we said that all things are possible. All things are possible to him who believes. Believes what? Believes that all things are possible. And so there's a transition from this natural world so easily curtailed and boxed in by the realm of our senses. Or we can be a person of the Spirit, take God at his word. People say, oh, that's childish. No, there's a difference between childlike and childish. Amen? Children have tremendous faith in God and they haven't, they haven't accumulated all the baggage you and I have. And so they see amazing things. So the moment Peter stepped out, he now operated by a higher law. And I've used this analogy before, but I believe it's a fantastic one. It says, as the law of aerodynamics, we... When you operate by faith, you operate at a, by a higher law. It's a, the law of faith operates at a higher law than the five senses. Amen? And he says, as the law of aerodynamics operates at a higher law than the, higher, than the law of gravity. Amen? What operates by the law of gravity and the law of aerodynamics, of course, is an aeroplane. It's true, isn't it? 
When they're running down the runway, they're operating by the law of gravity, amen? And they have to accumulate a certain amount of draft and uplift and pace to be able to transition from the law of gravity to the law of aerodynamics. Who knows where all the accidents happen? Nearly all the accidents happen when there is a transition from this law of gravity to the law of aerodynamics or the law of aerodynamics back into the law of gravity. You and I are supposed to be spiritual people. We are born again of the Spirit of God. When you and I transition from, a, from the law of the flesh into the law of the Spirit, there is a transition there. That is the point where Peter was when he stepped out of the boat. That's the transition point. And the transition point is where people get hurt. But if we're called to, we're not called to just to operate at times in the level of the Spirit. We are called to live in the Spirit. You see the difference? And you and I, when we be, we're on fire for God and we begin to operate in the realm of the Spirit, and then we back off, our prayer life backs off, our worship backs off, our attendance to church backs off, we're backslidden in heart, and now we're back in the flesh. Amen? But when you begin to get into the Spirit, oh, that's a good way to live, isn't it? You can understand what I'm trying to say here. And so, but we are called to be filled with the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to obey the Spirit, to listen to the voice of the Spirit, and to live in the Spirit where the voice of God is as natural as breathing. I can sense when I'm in my office, I spend three, four, five hours sometimes a day there in the mornings, and then at night sometimes. But sometimes I, I just walk up to a book, I open up a page, chapter 7, go to this thing, and there is the word that I want. I go to my bookcase, I've got 30, 30 or 32 boxes of books in my office, beautiful books, fantastic. I've got wall-to-wall books. I love them, I love them, I love them. And the Lord will just direct me to a book, won't even know why. I'll open it, open up at random, and the Lord will show me exactly what I need to know, exactly. I've got nearly 40 Bibles now, but the Lord will show me which Bible to go to, which commentary to, to uh which commentary to read and which commentary, even more importantly, not to read. Because some impart such great unbelief, I don't know why they write them. They don't believe the Word of God they're commenting, commenting on. And so you and I need to be a discerner of the things of the Spirit. But Jesus said, come, faithful to do what He asks or commands, despite my reasoning or logic behind the request. Was it logical for Jesus to say to Peter, come? Not according to our five senses. Not according to the law of gravity. No, it's not. But we are called to walk by faith, amen? Faithful to do what he asks. It's not an exercise of the intellect, but it is an exercise of faith and obedience. Amen? And there's many things in the day-to-day -day walk where Jesus said, step out of the boat. Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets. Rise and be healed. Get up. Pick up your bed and walk, amen? And so uh, how, do I, how do I respond when he says come? How do I respond when he says go? Well, what about that one? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. How do I respond when I get that command? Oh, that's an easy one, isn't it? I'll stay home. I'm called to be a good steward. I'm called to be a provider. I'm called to do this and I'm called to do that. I'm called to finance, but I'll pay for somebody else to go. And we can reconcile that in our heads. But how are we obedient when Jesus says go? And how do I respond? 
after speaking and asking with great conviction, if it is you, Lord, command me to come. Has anybody ever come to you for advice? Has anybody ever done that? Over the years, I've had a number of people, and I've gone to other people for advice as well. But has anybody ever come to you advice and direction or ask, now what do you think? What would you do in my position? And then you give them a response and they say, uh, well, I'm not going to do that. I've already decided what I'm going to do. <laughs> Who's ever done that? The person's mind was thoroughly made up before he ever stepped into your office, thoroughly made up before you ever had shared a coffee with him at the, at the cafe. So serving God is once again, here is, and, and I'm called, I'm called to shepherd people. Of course I am. From time to time, people say, now Jeff, I'm... So serving God, once again, in an advisory capacity or management capacity is not actually serving God at all. It's not at all. If you've made up your mind and then godly wisdom kicks in and you ignore it, that's not serving God. That's serving the God of self. And we've all done that at times. So just rounding up now, if Jules had come to the keys, that'd be fantastic. But just a couple of quick things before I, before I close. One word from Jesus, one word from God is all you need for a breakthrough today. That's all you need. But you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. The Lord knows them. And the thing is when you're in good standing with God and I'm talking to people who are in good standing with God, there's no unforgiveness, there's no hatred, there's no this and there's no that. You've got a clean slate before God and you can have a clean slate before God. His blood washes all our sin away. White as snow. You can have a clean slate before God. And he says, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be complete. John 15, 7, right? Matthew 7, 7, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. For whoever asks shall receive, he who seeks finds and he who knocks, the door will be opened. Amen. This is Jesus. His promise is that he hears your voice. He hears your voice and he knows where you're at. And he would like nothing better. He wants you to walk in the destiny that God has for you more than you want to walk in it. Amen? More than you want for that. God wants the best for you and for your family. Jesus said, he said one word. He said, repent. Matthew 4, 17. I was just scrolling through a few scriptures in the early chapters of Matthew. Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, he said, follow me. Oh, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus said to the multitude, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto you. See, one word from God can change a situation. And if the Spirit of God is upon the Word of God, and you begin to pray into that thing, it becomes prophetic. Speak to those things that aren't. Faith says those things that aren't as though they are. Amen? And you speak into that thing, and it will come to bear. Jesus said to the leper, be cleansed. Oh, what a great thing. Be cleansed. If you're feeling dirty, Jesus said, be cleansed in the name of Jesus. Matthew, Jesus said to the paralytic, arise and walk. And not only that, not only, not only that, pick up your bed and go to work. In other words, pick up your bed and go home. Amen. Pick up your bed. So there was an immediate action. And so Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 10, 6, go to the lost sheep. What about this? This is one word from God for the church. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, 
raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You think, oh, I don't believe in miracles. I believe there'll come a day in the, in the, in the earth, even in Australia, where you won't just believe in miracles, you will rely on miracles. Amen? When you rely on miracles, you're in a position to see a miracle. Amen? Let's just stand to our feet if you're able to do so now. Father, I, I bring this word, Lord God, before, your, before these people, Lord, or these beautiful people. I pray, Lord, impart that word. Just put out your hands as if to receive a gift now. And I pray, seal that word, Lord God, right now. Seal that word, Father, right now to your people, that they would receive and that they would hear the voice of heaven, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. They would hear your voice. My sheep know my voice. I pray, Lord, today that the people, Father God, today, you will, I pray today you would hear a word from God. I pray today you would hear for a, a word from heaven. You've been petitioning God and believing God, and you've been here. But I pray that one word from heaven can change your situation today. Family, finances, relationships, the call of God upon your life, business, finances, marriage. I pray today, Lord, let the Spirit of God minister to your people today, this very day. Today is the day of salvation, body, soul, and spirit that your soul would prosper, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your word. Jesus said, come. To Peter, he said, come, and he stepped out of the boat. But if there is anybody here, Jesus said, come. Would you give your life to me today? I pray if you're listening online and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that you would open up your heart and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen, Amen, and Amen.